Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. That stat when we talk about MVP later in the year. High fly ball, deep right field, right on cue. Goodbye. A three-run homer for Jose Ramirez. And the Indians' lead is five to nothing. Matt Underwood with the call on Valley Sports Great Lakes yesterday. He was our guest yesterday, and welcome into the Danny Mag Show. A couple of great guests coming up on this Wednesday. Kirk Reeder, former Major League Baseball pitcher with the Giants and now with Gaetti Sports Academy in Centralia, Illinois. We'll talk to him. And also Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Indians. He's been doing Indians games for 32 years. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's headed that way. He's awesome. Can't wait to visit with Tom Hamilton. I'm Dan McLaughlin. BK, good morning to you. Good morning, Dan. Rough one for the Cardinals once again last night. I'm hoping that they are able to get off of the Schneid tonight and they've got the right guy on the mound to be able to do it. Absolutely. I said in the crossover, this is the guy. And I also said this is, in my opinion, eerily similar to when the Indians were in town last year in 2020, end of August. Daniel Ponce de Leon goes out on a Friday night against the Indians, blows up. Then they had to use their bullpen, which was on fumes. The next day went to extra innings. Base running mistake cost them that game, but they used pitching again. And Wayno, that was the game that he texted everybody and said, I got you. If I got to go 130 today, I'm, I'm going to give you 130. We may not win. We may lose, but I'm going to save our bullpen. He gave you nine, complete game on his 39th birthday, one of the best games of the year. I think it was the best game of the year. And now you're in a situation where you've lost six straight. You've led for four of the last 72 innings. Your offense is generating, on average, about three runs a game, and the pitching hasn't been good. Carlos Martinez again last night, four innings, five runs. Before you even could sit down and get in your seat after your hot dog and beer, you went to the concession stand, you looked up, maybe you got to the game late. It's second inning, it's 5 nothing. Can't happen. They need a big start from Wainwright tonight, and it's really that simple. They do, and... It- Looking back at last night for a minute, they just need more out of Carlos Martinez right now. I know we've talked a ton, Dan, about, hey, who could they go trade for? Who's the guy they could bring in? Regardless of who you want, what they could do right now, Carlos is going to be a part of the rotation. So even if they had gone out and traded for Kyle Gibson or uh, Jay Happ, whoever your favorite of those options are, Carlos is going to start last night. And they need him to be better. They need him to be closer to what we saw the first eight or so starts of the season to what we than what we've seen the last two starts. This has been unacceptable, frankly, from Carlos. He's got to be competitive, at least for him. Four and two-thirds, the last two starts, 15 runs, all earned. He only gave you four last night. I thought his last inning, he was pretty good. It went one, two, three. And who knows, if it's a different game, he probably could have given you five or six the way things were going. He was starting to settle in, but you totally understood, at least I did, the decision of Mike Schilt to say, we uh, have, you know, we may not get many shots at Shane Bieber because he's one of the best in baseball. We got a shot here. We're coming off an off day. We're going to have another one coming up on Thursday. We're hopeful Wayno gives us what we expected home, which I, I expect seven innings. I mean, when he goes out there, I think he's going to, at home specifically, he's going to give you seven innings. I I just feel that way. So I can understand him saying, I'll 
turn this over to my bullpen and take my best shot right now with what we have offensively because they weren't generating much. So it made sense to to pull him at that point and pinch hit for him. It was the right call. I would do it 100 times out of 100. John Nagowski just didn't come through in that spot. Yeah. And it happens. You know, sometimes you don't execute. The thing that's frustrating for me right now is so you go up against the Reds and the big story there is, hey, the Reds pitching has not been good this year. So you expect the Cardinals offense to be able to get things going a little bit. Well, they didn't. They scored 2-4-2, two, two, and then finally in the final game, they get you 7. Well, in this series, okay, well, at least now your pitching should be able to get back on track. The Indians offense has been scuffling all year long. Big time. Wouldn't and know then they, it last up, night. they scored 10 runs against you. Yeah. It's like even the things that the opponent should be bad at, they're beating you that way. It's not just that you're losing these games, like losing to the Dodgers in that final one, 14 to three, that was going to happen. The Dodgers are great. And you know that they're going to have those blow up innings and you wish it, it didn't happen to you, but whatever. It is right. what it is, right? Against the Reds, they're pitching, really mowing you down. And against the Indians, their offense being what does it. That's what hurts if you're a Cardinals fan today. So Lisa is uh, texting in in the 618. Can you guys be as hard on the offense as you are on Carlos? Well, Carlos has given up 15 runs in the last four and two thirds. So uh, there's not a lot of positives outside of what I just said, which was his final inning. He went one, two, three. And I did just mention that the offense is right there with, and I mentioned in the crossover, the offense is uh, part of the problem right here, along with what's happening with the pitching. But you can't overlook the fact that, again, last night, another hit batter. There were more walks. Uh, Jake Woodford had an inning where he didn't give up a hit but still gave up a run because there was a walk and a hit batter. That adds up, especially in tight games. So, Lisa, if you'd like me to give the offense some problems here, too, and some trouble, yes, they are scuffling as well. Nolan Arenado is coming off a bad rut that he's been in. That happens. Paul Goldschmidt has been Paul Goldschmidt, not with the power that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, Tommy Edmond was hitless last night. So was Dylan Carlson. Yet, when you look at this team, you're correct, Lisa. It is a collective effort in yep. losing six straight. The offense has to be better. The pitching staff has to be better. I... This is the they're in a boat right now that is sinking. They've got a ship that is sinking They're They're taking on water and they need to plug some of these holes. And I'm not saying they need to go out there and get a bunch of people. The guys on the boat need to start p plugging their holes with their own hands. Right. They, they've got to be involved. And it it's such a simplistic analysis. And I apologize for doing it. But their guys that they were counting on coming into the year just have to perform better. Carlos yeah. Martinez, he's got to be better than what we saw last night in the last two starts for him now. Nolan Arenado was great over the weekend. Saturday, Sunday, seven for eight. You need to see more of that moving forward. He's in about a two-and-a-half-week slide now. Um, Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, got to be consistent at the top of your order. You need more from the guys at the bottom half of the order. Edmundo Sosa, last night notwithstanding, has gone into a little bit of a dry spell at the plate. It's everybody. The whole team is not carrying their weight right now, and that's how you end up being in a losing streak that is the worst that you've had in four years. Yeah, it's been a tough run. It's a collective effort, and the injuries are a massive part of what's going on. 60% of your rotation is out. You certainly miss Bader. You certainly miss DeYoung because you're expecting them to produce. I understand there's times that they haven't. I get it. Players do that. But... It also then moves guys out of position. So Tommy Edmond, I want to see him play second base every yep. day, but I understand why they got to put him in right field. Do you think it's going to be that way for a while now? I know yesterday they had the update on Bader, and it sounds like he's going to be out a little longer than they were anticipating. When Paul DeYoung gets back, which could happen as early as this weekend, 
My guess, Dan, you can so tell me if you disagree. Go to second. I think he goes to second, and to. you end up putting Tommy in right. Absolutely. And you that have stinks, to. but I think that's probably what they're going to have to do. Really hurts you defensively because he's so good defensively at second base. Now, Sosa is an upgrade defensively over Carpenter at second base, but it, it does hurt your team. You know, I, I just love Tommy Edmond at second base. I'm just a big Tommy Edmond fan defensively there. I think he's fine and right. There's no problems with him in right. I it think just, he's a it just, slightly above average guy in right, but he's a very good defender in second. And that's my point. It just lessens your infield defense. Now, Sosa is something that, you know, we haven't seen at second base, but we'll play that fine too. There's 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 going to be no problems with him there, and he's going to give you some range because there's some balls on this homestand that have gotten by Carpenter that I don't think get by Tommy Edmonds. So that's the trickle-down effect of some of the injuries. Let's hear from Mike Schilt after the loss last night. Got behind. And, um, you know, first inning, borderline 3-2 pitched in Garway to leave off the game. I don't know whether maybe the slider up to um, to the second hitter. Ball in the gap, scored a run, you know, chopper that brought him home. Um, pretty efficient next inning, scoreless inning. And then, uh, you know, we got to be on the other side of the three-run homer. You know, we couple base hits, ball, you know, fastball. Looked like a fastball, three-run homer. And... Um, you know, really quick fourth for Carlos, but you know, a couple mistakes just got paid for. You know, and um, you know, three run homers, big blow to open it up. So, had a, you know, seven punch outs, change up was outstanding. Um, just wasn't able to execute otherwise, and we we played from behind with a big crooked number again. Um, you know, scratch and call it against a guy that you know throws the ball pretty well in Bieber. Um, took some good at bats and hit some balls hard, but you know, able to scratch around with Sosa. But um, and then the bullpen was really pretty effective until the ninth. You know, Miller did his part. Um, you know, Elwich got through it, and Ponce was really effective. So, you know, held him fairly close until the ninth, and then you know got away. You know, even more. But that was my summation of the game yeah the bullpen defense yeah the bullpen actually was pretty good outside of junior fernandez take away that ninth that got ugly and as i mentioned earlier before the uh, woodford inning with no hits but gives up a run because you get a walk and a hit batter those things add up at this level they make you pay and you mentioned this earlier mike schilt mentioned this in that cut the cardinals falling behind so early is also a big part of what's going on they have fallen behind. They've been outscored 34 to 9 in the first 5 innings of this 9 game losing streak. 34 to 9. They're getting into these insurmountable deficits that it almost feels like it's a heroic effort whenever they start to fight and claw back as you heard there from Mike Schiltz into some of these games. And previously, at least over the weekend, They had the game-winning or game-tying run at the plate in the bottom of the ninth in all 4 games against the Reds. They didn't have that last night, but credit where it's due for those games. They've got to be able to overcome some of these, though. And if they can get out to an early lead, that also changes things for your pitcher. It changes decisions that Mike Schultz has to make with the pinch hitting like we saw last night. It just it makes everything a little easier, a little calmer inside of that dugout. Kirk Reader is coming up. We'll visit with him, former Major League pitcher, local guy, and Tom, uh, Tom Hamilton, voice of the Indians as well. Great to have the opportunity to visit with Kirk Reeder. Enjoyed a long major league career and great years with the San Francisco Giants. And now he is with Gaetti Sports Academy in Centralia, Illinois. And hey, Kirk, welcome to 101 ESPN. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? 
I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, I got to ask you, did you ever have a chance to come back to, to pitch for the Cardinals? I always wanted to see you spinning it with the St. Louis Cardinals. Did that opportunity ever come up? Uh, I'll tell you, my last year when I decided to retire, I had conversations with uh, Tony and, and uh, Walt uh, about coming back, and, and we were close and didn't kind of work out the final details. And, and then the, the family pull of, you know, Carla, my wife, and my two girls, Hope and Hallie, they kind of were pulling me home. And uh, that was the direction I really wanted to go. And, and so it ended up that way. And, and I have no regrets. But I do wonder, because that was my team growing up, uh, the Cardinals. So it would have been fun to, to pitch at least one year with, with the Cardinals. But uh, I, I still, I'm fine. I, I wouldn't change anything that I did. <laughs> what was it like for you when you did come back here to St. Louis? When you pitched at Bush Stadium, what, what were those experiences like for you? Oh, it was awesome. It's the best. I mean, I, I, now there was other parks that I might have, you know, liked going to just because it was closer to home in San Francisco, you know, traveling. But uh, I tell everybody that my favorite stadium to, to pitch in was obviously Bush Stadium because that's what I grew up as a kid going to uh, with my with my parents and my brother. And, you know, that was always going to be special. And, and I still get chills thinking about the very first time I ever came back with Montreal uh, and got to face Ozzie Smith, who was one of my you know childhood idols growing up, and and was able to get him to roll over a changeup. So I was that's the most nervous I think I've ever been uh, uh, in a baseball game was facing Ozzie. <laughs> who was who was your favorite player growing up? Was it Ozzie, or do you have some others? Oh gosh, I mean Ozzie was big. You know Willie, you know Willie McGee when when he came over to the Giants and helped us a little bit in spring training. I was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> being able to stand in the outfield and just shag fly balls with Willie McGee. Uh, I was, like I said, that was it for me uh, uh, when I was with San Francisco. And, and obviously as a left-handed pitcher, you know, watching John Tudor, uh, you know, carve guys up, not throwing that hard. And, and I kind of patterned myself a little bit after him when I was pitching in my younger days, because uh, I didn't throw hard, as you know, and, and I had to kind of keep guys off balance the way he did. Kirk, who were the guys that when you went up against them back in the 90s in particular, who were the guys that when they came up to the plate, you were like, oh, my God, how am I going to get this guy out? Who were the most imposing hitters that you went up against? Uh, well, that was about everybody the way I did <laughs> <laughs> That was about everybody that I faced. But, but, no, I mean, obviously my very first start with Montreal, and, and I ended up, you know, obviously going to San Francisco. But I remember the first two guys I faced with the Giants in my debut got on. And I had Will Clark, Barry Bonds, and Willie McGee coming up with huh. two guys on and nobody out. So it was looking like I was going to have a quick stay in the, in the big leagues and be going back to AAA. But uh, I was able to get them out and, uh, and kind of get through that game. And, and, but, but, boy, I tell you, everybody, there's always good hitters on every team, obviously, when you're in the big leagues. So it's, I just tried to execute my pitches the whole time and, and hoped if I missed a, a spot that they would pop it up or, or hit it at somebody. But, but boy, the guys were good. I mean, you know, you had McGuire, Sosa, guys that could hit the home runs, obviously. Then, you know, I always tell people the hardest hitter I ever faced was Gwynn, Tony Gwynn, because he didn't have a hole. So you could pitch him away, he'd hit it away, pitch it in, and he could still turn on it and hit a home run. So, uh, those were some of the names that, that really scared me when I was on the mound. That debut ended up going all right for you, though. Eight and a third innings, zero earned runs allowed. Not not too shabby, all things considered. 
Yeah, once I got through, I know Darren Fletcher came out after those first two guys got on, uh, my catcher, and he said, hey, kid, he goes, you better turn it loose kind of like you were doing in the bullpen or, or you're not going to be out here too long. <laughs> so, wow. So that, that kind of woke me up. And, and like I said, I was able to get through the, the first inning and then kind of settle down and get my nerves under control and then just go back to doing what I'd done my whole life and uh, uh, pitching and trying to get guys out. Kirk Reader's our guest. He's now with the Gaetti Sports Academy in Centralia, and I, I want to ask you about that in just a moment. But I, I am curious, do you follow the game now much? Are you watching the Cardinals? Are you watching other Major League Baseball? Uh, I'm still, you know, obviously I'm still big. I watch the Giants as much as I can, uh, you know, because I still know some people, of the, some of the coaches and trainers and people in the front office. So uh, I'm enjoying their year, you know, so far because they've kind of come out of nowhere with, uh, having the best record in baseball. So so I'm enjoying that a little bit. And I do pay attention, obviously, to the Cardinals. You know, Brian Eversgird, who's the bullpen coach, he was in my wedding, uh, and he's still close to home here. And so I still talk to him a lot. So I, I, I do pay attention to the Cardinals. And, you know, I, I would tell Cardinal fans, don't worry yet. It's it's a long season. Dust, Dusty Baker always told us in spring training, uh, the season is a marathon, not a sprint. So he said, don't worry until you get to like August and the 1st of September. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's good news to hear that. And uh, it's just tough when you're in the moment, as you understand, going through winning streaks, losing streaks, it can be tough. And by the way, Gertie is one of the best, the bullpen coach of the St. Louis Cardinals. Just love being around and I'm glad things are opening up and uh, have a chance to see him in person again. Uh, I, I am curious, when you watch the games now, and how you pitched as to what we're seeing now with so many max effort guys. How do you think you would fare? Because I think you could carve some people up. How do you think you would fare right now in Major League Baseball? Uh, well, I've, I've talked to some people that I still know, like the coach in the game, and, and they laugh. They're like, oh, you'd love pitching now because everybody's still trying to hit a home run on a one-two pitch. He goes, you could throw that little down and away sinker they'd roll that thing over every time now <laughs> absolutely because <laughs> nobody cha nobody changes the approach and and i had this conversation a couple of weeks ago when that stat came out with somebody about that there was so many more strikeouts than hits in a month and it blew my mind because i was like oh my gosh i didn't even realize that but but i think it's a philosophy of both ways you know pitchers are are trying to search for the strikeout uh, when they get 0-2, 1-2, 2, they're, they're throwing nasty pitches even looking for strikeouts. And I think I pitched more to look for contact just to get weak contact. And then the same thing with hitters. They're, they're still, if it's 0-2, 1-2, they're still kind of swinging from the heels and, and trying to hit a home run rather than if a guy throws them away, just hitting the ball away and, and taking it to right field. And, and I think when I was pitching, guys, if, if they struck out three times in a game and got one hit, they were kind of upset that they struck out. It was almost like, you know, hey, I'm not supposed to strike out three times. And I think the game's changed a little bit that if you can hit a home run and strike out three times, that's kind of a good day. And, you know, our, our I think it just guys would shorten up more. You know, if you got two strikes, you'd see some guys, you know, spread out in their stance. And, you know, they'd be willing to, you know, take the ball up the middle more or, or hit it to right field and, instead of, you know, trying to, to drive it out of the park on a 1-2 a or 0-2 pitch. Kirk, I wanted to ask you about what's kind of become the biggest story in the sport right now over the last week or two, and that's uh, this use of foreign substances by pitchers, and it seems like it's maybe gone to a, a greater degree than what had previously happened. How prevalent was this whenever you were around in baseball, and is this kind of an open secret in baseball? What are your thoughts on the fact that they're trying to crack down on this a little bit? 
Well, I saw the one thing about, like, somebody mentioned they were doing glue, some kind of glue. Now, I'd, I'd never heard that. I hadn't heard that even when I'd been retired. <laughs> I, mean, I, I never heard anything about that. But, you know, I know when I was pitching, they would do, you know, obviously they would rub up the balls before the game. You wouldn't get brand-new pearls, you know, right out of the box and have to go pitch with them. They, they had some substance that every – you know, Major League Park had, and the, the ball boys would rub them up so there'd be a little brown on them and you could grip them. And, and the only problem I ever had gripping was, I tell people, was in Colorado. I mean, if we played in Colorado like in April and there were, there was times it was snowing there yet and you can't even feel your fingers and the, the ball feels like a billiard ball in your hand, I would try and, like, chew gum or something just to feel, like, uh, on my fingers so I could feel the ball. But other than that I didn't you know I don't think guys were were doing you know or trying to use any crazy substance to get a better feel because I know people have talked so much about spin rate now and in our day I mean we didn't say spin rate but we still had guys that could move the ball you know pretty good you know you know make the ball move and and I think guys have gotten so caught up in spin rate it's like how much can I and what can I do to help it and in our day we were more kind of like trying to get seams maybe to be a little looser so the ball would move or, or doing something like that with the ball. But nothing, you know, like I said, I, I had never heard glue or, or anything like that. I, I don't know if I'd like that because I think it would stick to my hand too much. I, w- I wouldn't know where it was going. Absolutely. Uh, you're doing work now at Gaetti Sports Academy in Centralia, so it sounds like you're working with a lot of young baseball players. What are you doing this day uh, these days? Yeah, Gary called me a couple years ago, and he – got an academy over in Centralia. That's where he grew up, and, and I played Legion ball for Centralia, so we had a connection there, and, and uh, I was excited to go over there. He's got an 18,000-square-foot uh, building for baseball with the hit tracks and cages and everything, and, and we just work with any any kids. We've had little kids that haven't picked up a ball yet to the college kids that are, are looking to keep advancing and it's been a lot of fun and they have a, they're building a castle out there. There's like a 32,000 square foot castle to hold weddings and uh, it's a convention center. So it's an exciting time uh, over there and, and to getting, you know, giving back to the local community, especially with baseball. Uh, it's something that I've always looked forward to doing and, and thankfully Gary uh, has given me that opportunity. Hey, Kirk, this has been a lot of fun, and and thanks for hopping on. We really appreciate it. And, again, Gaetti Sports Academy in Centralia. Find Kirk Reader. You're going to find Gary Gaetti, former Major League players, to help out kids play uh, the great game of baseball. And, uh, unfortunately, you didn't pitch for the Cardinals. I was was, – that bothers me. I wanted you in St. Louis. I was trying. Hey, and I got to give one last shout out. Uh, my daughter's uh, relay team is going up to state tomorrow. So I told the girls I would say, uh, Shelby, Carmen, Tulaney, and Howie, uh, good luck at uh, state tomorrow in track. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, Kurt, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Anytime. You got it. That's Kirk Reader, real class act, and uh, had the chance to visit with him a number of times when he was with the Giants specifically. And he was, you know, here, here's kind of soft tossing lefty. The Cardinals always have fits. I was about to say, that's the classic you know? Cardinals can't hit this guy. And you'd look up at the end of the year and, and Kirk Reader's putting up big numbers. You know, I mean, you look at some of the seasons he had and you take that in a heartbeat now. I mean, he had a really nice career. How would you feel this year about a Cardinal starter throwing 191 innings and giving you a 3.4 ERA? I'd take that in a heartbeat. He did that back in 97. And I hear there was other stuff going on in baseball at that time, so that's pretty damn impressive. Exactly. To do it in that era, 
it's really darn impressive. So our thanks to Kirk Reader. Saliga's been doing business out of the same location on Gravoy since 1927, celebrating over 93 years in business, fourth-generation family-owned business currently run by Dan Saliga. Dan and his team pride themselves, great customer service, 100% satisfaction guarantee. Summer weather, it's here, and if you haven't turned on your AC, you soon will do that. If you find that it's not working or working efficiently, give Dan a call. And right now, Saliga offering 72 months, no interest financing on all new systems. And they have American Standard rebates, Amron rebates up to $900 as well as Spire rebates. Saliga Heating and Cooling, the air quality expert, and they're going to make sure that you're comfortable indoors all summer long. Call Saliga, book your appointment, 314-481-7333. 314-481-7333. Visit SaligaHeatingandCooling.com. Saliga Heating and Cooling, an independent American Standard heating and air conditioning dealer. All right, we're talking about the uh, substances on the uh, the hands of pitchers, and Garrett Cole was asked about that yesterday. You're going to hear his response to the question when we come back. Make the ball. Right now, you'd have to say it is the biggest story in baseball and how this will be policed, where for years, pitchers using sunblock or rosin or maybe a little pine tar to get a better grip on the baseball. Now you have spider tack, which is, uh, if you read the recent Sports Illustrated article, a unnamed pitcher who was quoted said, I went through security at, um, at an uh, airport and had to be pulled aside because they thought, he, and this is after he showered and did everything and tried to get it off him, they thought it may have been an explosive device of some sort or, you know what I mean, when you yep. get the, the stuff on your hand. So they had to tack, you know, wipe it down, see what it was. Uh, that's how far this has gone. So Garrett Cole, a lot of talk about Garrett Cole, whether or not he has been using the substance. He's had incredible spin rates they've jumped off the charts so he's pitching tonight he's coming off a loss in which those spin rates were down after some of this came out and he's going to go tonight and so yesterday he met with the media and he was asked about it and have you ever used spider attack while pitching um i don't i don't know i i, I don't know if uh i don't know quite i don't quite know how to answer that to be honest um i mean there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard and stood pretty firm in in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate, some more stuff that's a conversation that we can have because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this okay so a few things i take away from that number one he never answered the question uh-uh. uh number two i would like to think that in a media market as big as new york that he was prepared that yankees pr or somebody or his agent went to him and said hey before you do this you are going to be asked about this so what's your response and he was ill prepared to answer the question he didn't answer the question And now if you're the Yankees or if you're the Dodgers with Trevor Bauer, a lot of talk about him or others that have these massive contracts and spin rate is going to be reduced potentially because of this, I'd be a little nervous. But the answer to the question was terrible. He was Uh, ill-prepared. How are you not prepared to answer that question? We should also add, 
I cut that thing down. It was like a minute and a half. That's like 45 yes. seconds of it. There he was hemmed a point and hawed and just, just stopped for like five seconds, seven seconds, and kind of closed his eyes to think about what he wanted to say. I was laying down last night, and you know how we do it. You, you, you lay down in bed. You go over on Twitter to see what's going on, right? And I saw this video, and I pulled it up, and I thought my video had stopped in the middle because there's like a seven-second pause of him not moving, not saying anything. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Is my internet down? No, he just didn't continue he just stopped his answer for like seven seconds because he didn't know what he was going to say it sounded like the i'm not here to talk about my uh, talk about the past answer he clearly i'll speculate here i'm willing to do so clearly has used this at some point in the past otherwise it's very simple no i've never used that and i would never use such a thing i can't believe that you would ask me such a question like that's the answer if you've never used this before if you have like okay we're cracking down on things now but man i am very surprised i've seen a decent number of national outlets media wise that have said something to the degree of i it's crazy to me that they're now policing this and they're cracking we've talked we've spent so many hours dan uh, about how does baseball get more action into the game what are the rules that they could change to make this more watchable well, Eno Saris came on and he told us there is a 30% increase in the effectiveness, the spin rate from these substances. If you're telling me that there is something baseball can do that changes nothing, nothing about my ability to watch the game. There are no rule changes. My ability to watch is going to look almost the exact same as it was previously. And yet there's going to be 30% potentially more action in the game because of this. Yeah, where do I sign up for that? Of course they should crack down on this if that's the case. So I'm I'm fascinated with this start tonight. So last time out, and this is after some minor leaguers had been, you know, hit on the wrist with this, and now it's coming full circle, and Major League Baseball says, hey, we have proof. We have proof, and now we're going to start cracking down on this. And it's really supposed to be in earnest, my understanding, is next week. But a lot of people are going to be watching around the sport. What are the spin rates tonight for Garrett Cole? Now, think about it from the Yankees' perspective. Think about it from the Dodgers' perspective. That you, and these are a couple of guys, again, it's all speculation at this point, but we've heard their name associated with this stuff, at least read about it. Uh, And you've handed them multi-million dollar deals, huge deals. And if they crack down on this stuff, they're not the pitcher that they once were. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to have a ripple-down effect on those kind of things that you take a look at if you're a front office. Let's look at a local localizing this for the Cardinals. If I'm in the Cardinals' front office, one thing that I'm going to be doing over the next three, four weeks as we approach the Major League Baseball trade deadline, if I'm looking for a starting pitcher, I'm going to be paying very close attention to spend rates, effectiveness of pitchers, who are the guys that drop off a little bit over the next few weeks because – they're probably not players that I'm going to be all that interested in acquiring for my stretch run here in St. Louis. So it's it's fascinating in a number of ways. Guys that are already signed up long term and players that could be traded as we get closer to the deadline. Now back to the original point of this whole thing. He never answered the question. But by not answering, he maybe just about answered it. Would you agree? I, I mean, completely agree. You know, you just come out and say yes or no or just tell the truth and just say, yeah, I've used it before. It's been very helpful and understand that baseball is going to crack down. Next question. That's that's the big thing to me is I think I think he's not doing himself any favors with that answer, because if it's true, what all the reporting is suggesting, and I have no reason to not believe the reporting, this is commonplace. This is something that pitchers across the league are using. Adam Wainwright came on the morning show today and said, yeah, I experimented with some stuff a few years ago. Wasn't my thing. 
didn't work out well for me. I didn't think that it was something that really impacted me in a positive way, so I stopped using it. Like, just, just say that. If you're Garrett Cole, yeah, my career was kind of going in a direction that I thought was going to potentially not have me be at the upper echelon with the, my peers that I believed myself to be with. And I started using this. It worked for me, so I kept doing it, along with 70% of the sport. That's fine. Oh, I, I got no issues with that. Now you can't use it anymore, but I, I think it w- he would have done himself a lot more favors if he was just honest. Tom Hamilton, the longtime voice of the Indians, our guest next on 101 ESPN. On 101ESPN.com and your 101 mobile app. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, Brandon Kiley, just a few moments uh, left in the show, and it's great to visit with the longtime play-by-play voice of the Indians. And it was awesome to see him in person yesterday. He's in town. That's Tom Hamilton. And, I mean, this guy is one of the best that's ever done it. He's headed to the Hall of Fame. Hey, Tom, great to hear your voice and great to see you in person last night at the ballpark. Well, the feeling is mutual, Dan. Thanks for the kind words, and I feel the same way about you. And and, uh, you're right. It, it, uh, it's been amazing. You know, we, we talk about that lack of people content and didn't realize it until we got back on the road, you know, how much fun it was again to see people both in Baltimore and, and here in St. Louis and uh, to see the reception we got from all of the Cardinals front office people and the Orioles front office people. Uh, I think we all have just a greater appreciation of some of the simple things in life that maybe I and others took for granted. So, Tom, what did you think about that game last night? Because obviously, from our perspective, it certainly could have gone a little bit better. But what was the Cleveland perspective on that game? Well, after getting thumped 18-5 to on Sunday in Baltimore, uh, that game last night was a lot more fun um, for the Indians anyway. One thing the Indians haven't done much this year, and, and Dan would know the numbers having done the game last night. I mean, the Indians are, you know, among the worst offensive clubs in the American League, and I think we thought that this would be a, a process with a lot of new faces and a, a lot of younger players. So what we haven't seen are games opened up early where the Indians have a big lead, and Jose Ramirez did that with one swing of the bat last night in the third inning, and it's amazing to me, guys. He gets anything to hit. With the injury to Fran Mill Reyes, teams have pitched around him, but Cardinals were kind of in a tough spot in the third inning, and he may get one or two pitches a game to hit, but this guy doesn't miss. And as good a player as Francisco Lindor was here in Cleveland, guys, I think Jose Ramirez has always been our most talented player. And this guy's finished in the top three in the American League MVP vote three different times, including runner-up last year. I don't think people around baseball sometimes realize how good he is. Well, the Cardinals, uh, this is the guy they want on the mound right now with 60% of the rotation out. It's Adam Wainwright, even at the age of 39. You saw it last year, a complete game against yep. the Indians. How about on the other side? Tell us a little bit about the, the starter for the Indians tonight. Well, J.C. Mejia is getting his, I believe it's his third major league start. We didn't know much about this guy, uh, to be brutally honest. Um, barely saw him in spring training. Uh, he's had a lot of injury issues, both in 18 and 19. Then, of course, last year with the, the COVID and no minor league season, um, for some of us, he's kind of come out of nowhere. He's always had a great arm, throws in the mid-90s, but injuries have really slowed his development. But we're kind of in the same boat as you folks are as far as starting pitching in that, you know, there's just a dearth of it right now with all of the injuries. 
And on top of it, guys, you think the Indians have traded away Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, the difference in the past was the Indians, one through five, usually were better than almost any team in the game with starting pitching. Now you've got Aaron Savali and Shane Bieber that you saw last night, Zach Plesak when he's healthy. But then it's, it's just kind of, I don't want to say it's a tryout camp, but guys are getting opportunities maybe much earlier than they thought they would. Mejia is one of those guys. If he throws strikes, uh, he can be dominant. and He'll be limited tonight to probably around 75 pitches. But the Indians are kind of in the same boat as the Cardinals are, where you're like, how are we going to get through this with all of the injuries to starters? That's actually what I was going to ask you about is because it sound, as you're talking there, it, you could have easily been saying that about the Cardinals. I mean, their one through five in the past has been their strength. And this year, the back end of the rotation has been an issue. Is this a theme that we have seen around the league, in your opinion? Have you seen that from other teams in the American mm-hmm. League as well that the Indians have gone up against? we've really seen it in the past and we kind of laughed and we were like, yeah, that must be, that must be awful, you know, because we didn't have that problem. Well, now we see how the other half is living. But to your point, I wonder what this is going to look like guys after the all-star break and in August and the dog days of summer where last year's shortened season, I think is really going to come into play because of guys innings, that may be limited and maybe all of the rookie pitchers you're talking about that you would limit regardless of a pandemic. And so I I really wonder around baseball, what the starting pitching is going to look like, especially come August. This is my final question and we'll let you go. And again, thanks for your time this morning, Tom, you've been doing the Indians for a long time. Now they have the longest drought uh, for those that have been in the league and have won before the longest drought, 1948 last world series. Are you going to get a world series in Cleveland, you're so close against the Marlins, so close against the Cubs. I mean, you got to have faith, I guess. What's going on there? You think you can do it? Well, I, you know what, Dan? I, you know how this is. Come October, it's such a roll of the dice. I mean, in 2016, um, I didn't think we had a chance because we had lost three starting pitchers. And in essence, it was Corey Kluber, Josh Tomlin, and an incredible bullpen highlighted by Andrew Miller, who's now with the Cardinals that got the Indians within an inning of winning game seven. Um, I, I just think right now this is a rebuild for the ball club, but it's not a teardown and rebuild. The Indians still feel like they can, you know, get younger and stay a contender without this five years. And we'll see you later. And we're going to lose a hundred games every year. You know, the, the one thing I think much like the Cardinals, I don't think there's a better front office in baseball than Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff, and when you've got a Hall of Fame manager in Tito, yeah, I think it could happen. It's not going to happen this year, but they've got a really strong farm system. And, uh, again, I, I thought in 2017, Dan, it was a better ball club than 2016. And we got banged in the first round after a 2-0 lead against the Yankees. So, you know, I've just been happy to be a part of three World Series and and two game seven. So I know I've been pretty blessed. Absolutely. Hey, Tom, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy what you can do here in St. Louis for a few hours, and then we'll uh, we'll catch up at the ballpark. <laughs> Sounds great, Dan. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's uh, the great voice of the uh, Cleveland Indians, Tom Hamilton. He is awesome. It's he- good to hear from him. And it, we don't think sometimes about the Indians as that tortured franchise, but oh, we, absolutely <laughs> yeah. we absolutely should. We absolutely should. They are tortured. I mean, Edgar Renteria, 
Then you think about in 16, that was with the Marlins, Renteria. Then in 16, well, they were close again uh, between those appearances. But then in 16, you have the lead late. They had it. And they're at home Damn in game seven. Yes. If, if there was not a rain delay, I'm, I'm still convinced the Indians win you. that World Series. I, I think you. they win it. Uh, tortured souls, man. I mean, we went through it with the Blues. We know what it's like to be a tortured fan base. Absolutely. It's tough. 1948, their last World Series title. That's a long time. That's 70-plus years. you got to be at least 80 years old to even have any memory of that Yes, it, but they have the right guy, though, to break the curse in their in their uh, dugout. I mean, Francona is awesome. I mentioned this last night. Does this shock you? And I know we got to go. He's going to be, in terms of games managed, number if he stays, and he's had some health issues, but he'll be number one in wow. Cleveland history in games managed. That's amazing. I always just think of him as either in Philly or Boston, and it's like he just got to – Cleveland. No, he's been there a long yep. time and had great success. Uh, Marty, great job with the guests as always. This was fun. BK, have a great show. What do you have coming up? So coming up today at 1130, we're going to talk to Justin Masterson. Had a brief stint here in St. Louis. Also had a long tenure with the Indians. Was an all-star back in 2013. And we got to talk about the Cardinals. As much as everybody is complaining today about the pitching, it's not just the pitching. That is a problem, certainly. But it's not just the pitching that's been an issue for the Cards. I thought we addressed that. Well, we did. Now okay. I'm going to get Alex's okay. thoughts right. on it as well. All right. Looking forward to that. And I'll uh, be with Randy Carricker tomorrow at uh, 7 a.m. And we'll talk to you then on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.